Hi, Rocky Road family. Welcome back. We have another new guest today. Her name is Marky. I'm very excited to introduce you to her. She's very sweet and has a great story that we are, can't wait to hear. So welcome, Marky. We're glad you're here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Tell us about your family and just like a brief overview of who you are. If somebody says, who's Marky, what would you tell them? Okay, so my name is Marky. I am a wife, a mother. I am a lost mom. I am a, I am a social media person. I would not call myself an influencer. I don't like that. It's super awkward for me. Um, but a little bit about me is um, born and raised in Utah. Um, live here majority of the time, travel around for my husband's work a lot. So we've lived in a different, a bunch of different places. Um, and me and my husband have been married. We've known each other for 10 years, been married almost nine. And we have just been through a lot. Um, primarily we, um, we lost a child. We lost our daughter. It's been about five years. And so um, online, my online community knows that I talk a lot about enjoying the now and being happy while also mourning every day, missing my my daughter um, and kind of looking for my, my lost uh, little duckling. I'm always kind of searching for her because I, mm. I count her as, as, you know, one of us, but she's not physically here. And so... Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, we, I share a lot online and a lot of people think that, like some people might think that it's for, um, you know, reasons like, oh, you're, you're taking things for attention. You're sharing your daughter for attention and things like that. And, and sometimes, um, I understand like where people are coming from, but for me, I share a lot of my daughter's story because for several reasons, number one, it like keeps her memory alive and she's still Mm -hmm. touching lives every single day with her amazing story. And number two, it helps me and my grief. And, um, I'm a talker in general, so I can't just not talk about her. I talk Mm -hmm. about her to honor her and to remember her. And it helps me so much with my grief journey. And um, so, yeah, that's a little bit mm-hmm. about me. And that's interesting that it, it breaks my heart that you have people who will negatively come back at you for sharing your story. Um, I know that if I, I share a lot of mental health things and little things like keep going, you're okay. And so people ask me, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm sharing this because I think that someone else would benefit from it. And what I'm learning, and I'm, I've never been pregnant. I'm not yet a mom. I hope to be, you know, Mandy has her own pregnancy story. She has a, um, a child, but thinking about, okay, this is, this is something that a mom never wants to have to go through. And you're so open about it and you're able to share with people this is the good, the bad, and the ugly, and this is how I handled it. And it helps to humanize the the story for so many people. And so can you, can you, I want to talk about Everly for a second. And can you share um, to whatever your comfort level is, um, your, your time that you had with her, however short it was? 
Yeah. So um, I, okay, let's start by saying that I always pictured myself having a bunch of boys. Like I would have like vivid dreams of me chasing around a zillion little boys. And um, I had a son and then nine months later, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, which I wanted my kids back to back. So it was fine. Um, We were really excited, but I didn't feel super confident in the pregnancy. I felt weird. I felt, um, I just felt like it wouldn't stick kind of. And I, Mm. I like had some bleeding and things like that. And I just thought maybe, um, this one isn't going to stick. And so I was really nervous and I went to the doctor and had the ultrasound and everything looked great. Um, they had a hard time finding the heartbeat for a minute. So she gave me a little scare and then they found it. And so just like things like that kept happening. And I'm like, you little punk. And then I found out (laughs) that she was a girl and I literally like, I just, girls just scare me. I don't know if it's like the day and age or I hear they're sassy or if they're going to be just like me. And I make jokes that I cannot, I cannot raise a girl (laughs) like me, like I could not do it. Um, and so I kept making those jokes and I was just shocked that I was pregnant Mm -hmm. with a girl, but obviously so excited. And my brain started like, I don't know, like planning, like braiding her hair and like getting her ready for prom one day and things like that. And so, um, all while feeling that, like that feeling that something was wrong, um, Mm -hmm. but not wanting to really express that because like, that's kind of a mom guilt thing where you're just like, I don't want to jinx it. Like, Oh no, that like something's definitely wrong. Like who wants to talk about that? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, we went to, I went to the 20 week ultrasound and, um, I was alone cause my husband had to work and that's fine. I mean, I've gone to weddings alone. I've gone, I can go to dinner alone. It's fine. I I'm confident enough in myself to do those types of things. I love um, doing things alone. So. <laughs> I love it. Like, hello, can do whatever the freak you want. Right. <laughs> um, and so I basically just had my husband like ready to FaceTime for this 20-week anatomy scan. And the 20-week anatomy scan is like the big one. They like check Mm -hmm. all the organs. They check the heart. They check – they can tell you the gender, like that type of thing. So I already knew she was a girl from doing um, blood work just because I was curious. I'm like, I'll pay the $200. I want to know now if what (laughs) um, the baby is. And so – Um, basically we got the news that she had major heart defects and, um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I kind of was validated a little bit in my, in my feelings of like things aren't right. And I could tell that Mm -hmm. things aren't right. Um, but again, didn't want to jinx anything. My husband was over FaceTime at the time when, you know, we're receiving this news And he's just telling me like, modern medicine is amazing. And like, she's going to just, she's going to be in the Olympics one day and like, everything's going to be fine. And just like, so sweet, so encouraging. And, um, oh, another fun fact is on 
my drive to the 20 week ultrasound, I was like sick, nervous. Like I was so nervous mm. for the 20 week ultrasound that I had to pull over the car and throw up a couple times, which yeah. like when you're pregnant, throwing up isn't a big deal, but I hadn't thrown up in like a month or two. And so I was like definitely nervous. Anyways, then I got that news. Um, the doctor basically told us that he would need to send us to a, a specialty doctor, like a pediatric heart doctor, and that I would be like monitored really close. And um, they would basically just get to know Everly's heart as well as they can before she's even here mm. so that when she is here, they have the plan um, to, you know, best help her. Um, they did tell us that they is in the, the ultrasound doctor. He told us it wasn't a death sentence, but it was a surgery sentence. He said mm. that your baby, her heart is not compatible with life and mm. basically like her being in my belly, I was supporting her, um, and, and her health and she was growing perfectly and she looks perfect, but her heart, um, you know, so on the inside, she wasn't perfect. She had these defects. And so basically they told me that, um, as soon as she was born and her heart had to start doing the work for, you know, on its own that, um, it would stop working. Um, and basically in, in layman's terms, like, um, the, the ratio between your heart pumping healthy blood to your lungs versus your body. So Mm. it's like the balancing effect, like she, the, and it was off. So the heart surgeries that she would need when she was born would help regulate her body and her lungs because one can't be more than the other. They both have to have a balanced amount together. Yeah. And and you're in that season then getting news like that where your husband was telling you modern medicine is amazing. So you have those glimmers of hope, but also that realistic pull of my daughter's heart isn't okay. And so in that season, I'm sure for you, you were already starting to grieve just everything you were going to need to go through. And Absolutely. into 20 weeks before she's even born. And you're only halfway through at that point. Right. Yeah. I was basically telling myself, okay, stay in my belly forever so that <laughs> you can be healthy forever. Like, I'll mm-hmm. do that. I'll, I hate being pregnant. I hate barfing all the time. I <laughs> my, my pregnancies are pretty difficult anyways. And so I'm just like, but I'll do it if it means that you'll mm-hmm. be with me and you'll be healthy. Um yeah, it was really hard because I'm in general, I'm a very positive person and, um, I'm a pretty like headstrong person. And I was the one that was like, I don't know if she's going to, if we're going to raise her in this Mm -hmm. life. Like, I hope we will, but I don't, I don't have those feelings that we are. And that like broke my heart. But also I was the only one who was like really able to admit that I had those feelings that something Mm -hmm. wasn't right. And again, I had those feelings from the second I got pregnant. And so for me, it was kind of just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like I'm, it's definitely a feeling of 
hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. Mm-hmm. And like, even one of my best friends was like, Marky, like she's your daughter. She's not going anywhere. She's, mm-hmm. she's from you. Like, and you're strong and you're sassy and you're fighter, you're a fighter. And you're not like, she's your daughter. Like she's not going anywhere. Don't even worry about it. And mm-hmm. PS, she's my friend that said that was a, is a PA, a physician's assistant. So she's like, she's the person to talk to when it comes to medical stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, like I, I hope so, but I don't, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. and so and it's a very different diagnosis from people that get, um, like a genetic condition where it's like a, it's, it is a death sentence, like trisomy 18 or something that right. can happen when you're pregnant and you know, you have hours with your child and there's right. absolutely nothing they can do. So I'm just right. like, I, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like to also, then you had a little son who wasn't even yes. one yet or just about one. So yes. you were also busy at home with oh. a little one and also trying to go back and forth. Am I going to have and raise a second child or not? And I can't imagine how that emotional roller coaster must've been for you. Absolutely. Um, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but our son was struggling with, um, some like sensory issues and, um, we were getting him like, we knew something was off. Um, and he's, he's doing so great now. Early intervention is a thing. If you're that parent mm-hmm. that's like, you want to live in happy land and you're in denial, like I understand those feelings 1000%, but because I like fought to like have him tested and get him in early intervention with people who knew what he needed, he's, he's come so far. But at the time he was a very, very, he just had special needs of his own. And then I was pregnant and just so sick. And the husband was traveling. It was like, oh, it was, it was so hard. Um, but I, I'm like such a firm believer in like, you can do anything for a short amount of time. Like it hurts, but it's like getting, it's like getting your, eyebrows microbladed or something. It's like, it hurts. It hurts for a minute, but like, it's a small area and then it pays off for like a year or two and it's great. Um, and so I like, I was like, I can, I can do this. I was just trying to hang on so much. And thank goodness we had, we had the support around us, um, friends and family that were like, so willing to help Mm -hmm. with him. Um, and also another thing on top of that is, I always felt like I needed to have my kids back to back. Like I wanted them to be super duper close in age. And after Everly, I don't feel that way at all. Like I'm like mm-hmm. a couple of years back is great, if not more. But I almost feel like um, that was kind of a little nudge or a gift from God to be like, you want, you want to go, like you're going to go through this really hard trial, but like we're going to give you all the support we can. And one of the tender, tender mercies I look at is like, my son was too young to really like lose his little sister. And Mm -hmm. we do go through, he's six now. We do go through times with him where, um, he like misses her. And cause he was 18 months when she passed away and 
and I'll go more into, yeah, her time here on earth. But um, there are times where he like will come and, and cry and sob and say, I miss my sister. I miss her. I wish she was here. He wants more babies in our house. He wants us to have more kids. Like he, he loves, he loves being an older brother and we've since gone on to have one more. So we do have two boys at home right now and our daughter was in between, but, um, so he still mourns her, but he didn't have to like mourn her at the time really. And I think Mm -hmm. that was a blessing for him and a blessing for us because, Mm-hmm. He just kept us waking up every morning and mm. we have to make breakfast for our kid. Like our, our daughter passed away yesterday. Today we have to wake up and feed our child. Like mm-hmm. nobody yeah. talks about that. Nobody thinks about that, but it's, it's yeah. reality when you go through things like this for sure. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about your circle of support, and I I have a question about that because we talk we had someone come on um, and speak about a loss and basically the things that she wished people didn't say to her mm-hmm. when it's they think they're being helpful but it's really being hurtful. And so, right. do you feel like people were before she was here? Do you feel like people were being toxically positive, just trying to keep your energy up and just trying to keep your your eyes on the hope? Or do you feel that people, were there any people, were, were there any people, was there anyone who you felt were really settling into the reality and the possibilities with you? Can you talk about some of those different dynamics and which ones were supportive and which ones weren't? Not in specific detail of who, but just right. everyone's doing their best in that scenario to, to do what they think right. is going to be helpful. I think that everyone thought we'd have more time with her Mm. for sure. I think that everyone, whether they thought it or didn't, I think everyone was just like, modern medicine is great. Like, look at all these, Mm -hmm. like there's celebrities, there's Olympic athletes that were born with heart problems and they're all just thriving and, and you can go on Google and find the good and the bad. So like, I don't even, it's, it's hard to reference like going on Google and doing your own research. Um, I go off of, I'm going off of like my friends and family around me that were just like, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. Like we got this, you know, she's got this and modern medicine is amazing. And I think that that's fine. And, and I also think that that was kind of, nobody's going to sit me down and be like, she might not make it, you Mm. know, like, I don't really think that that was like their place or their job. I think that me, I was the one like telling my husband, like Mm. she might not make it. Like, because I was in the position to do so. But I don't think that other people would freaking dare <laughs> say, you know, be that reality person. And I think that that's mm. good. I think that after she passed away, um, definitely there were some comments that, um, you know, can be hurtful. Um, that you just – but that's the thing is we're all learning and we're all growing and you have to take those comments with a grain of salt because they are literally like coming from the sweetest people with the best hearts ever. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea something. Okay. This is one thing that just really popped in my mind. When somebody says, 
I don't care what gender my baby is as long as they're healthy. Hmm. Uh, Like that is a very common, and I get it. Like, duh, like you, duh, you want your baby to be healthy. Like that's all that matters to me is my baby's Hmm. healthy. But there are babies that are not healthy. There are babies Mm -hmm. that are born really sick. And so I, it's like comments like that. They're fine. They're fine. I'm not like triggered by that comment where I'm like, you're, you're a terrible person for wanting health for your baby. Duh. I just mean like it's comments like those that just like make me think, oh, like Everly wasn't. Everly wasn't healthy. And it just, it just like kind of puts things into perspective when you're in a situation like that. And, and like, what if your baby isn't healthy? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, I guess the end of that sentence is your life is going to change regardless. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. just like one example of, mm-hmm. of one of those comments. But I think that for the most part, people were so over the, over the top supportive and amazing yeah. when they mm-hmm. heard about her diagnosis mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think even that comment that you make, people make these comments, like you said, everything has to be taken with a grain of salt. So I have a six-year-old daughter okay. and um, she, I wanted a boy so badly that I went through the gender grief process of finding out I was having a girl and I was so upset and people were like just be grateful she's healthy just be grateful she's healthy and and like so it's kind of on the flip side for me where I remember being pregnant and I was just sitting there crying and sulking and I was like I don't know how to raise a girl and I don't want a girl and I just was like, can I give her back? Like, I just did not want Are a girl. Are we the same person or what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And I just, I had always envisioned my family of having boys and then girls, like an older brother to take care of a little sister. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people make comments all the time and you you just never know what you're going to hear. And it wasn't right. helpful when people, you know, when you're in that moment of grief, whether that's one minute 30 seconds, five years, 25 years, when you're in those pits of grief, people just saying, well, it could be this, or it could be that, or just be happy here, just do this. That's Mm -hmm. not helpful, regardless of whatever the situation is. People, the most helpful thing is entering in with the person, like just sitting with them and being there for them and really just, um, validating their grief absolutely, and, and just saying like, I know this sucks. And I this literally, is I'm like the person, I'm not the person, but I'm a person that like my sister-in-law or my sister or my best friend will call me and vent about something. And I literally will be like, do you want my advice? Like, it'll be quiet for a minute and I'll be like, do you want my <laughs> advice or do you want me Because like, I'm here either way, like whatever you need me as right now, like I'll be Mm -hmm. that person. Yeah. That's, that's crap. That's garbage. Like, I can't believe Mm -hmm. this happened. Um, or I'll be like, can I play devil's advocate? You know what I mean? Like you can, so I really think that it, um, it kind of like goes along with who you're talking to, how much you care about their thoughts. Cause sometimes you just, I don't freaking care what this stranger at the grocery store thinks about 
me, I don't know, just like I'm picturing like a, a lady at the grocery store being like, your baby's too hot in there. You need to lift up the, the cover and me being like, then get your face out of my baby's car seat. Like I'm trying to, he's two weeks old and I, my husband's at work. Like anyways, keep the yeah. germs away from my baby. So anyways, I think it really just depends on like your relationship with that person and just like yeah. being able to just like shrug it off. And another mm-hmm. thing, another point to that is you see all the time. And I think, I think it's fine to have like trigger warnings on certain posts, like trigger warning. You might see a picture of my baby who has, you know, a, a line down her chest. Like I, I understand those, um, I think there's different levels of trigger warnings, but I also think that if something is, it's kind of that quote, if it's a, if it's, what is it? It's not a me problem. It's a you problem. If Mm. something is triggering you so badly, it's not that person's um, obligation to warn you Mm -hmm. of their life. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, this popped up on your feed and you were triggered, um, but that's kind of a you problem. And like, maybe seek help for those feelings that you feel. Um, because mm-hmm. like, I remember I posted a video of Everly on TikTok and it got taken down and I was mad and like, things don't make me mad, but I was mad and I posted it again. And I was like, oh, this goes against your guidelines because my daughter is, you know, in the hospital and has stitches down her chest. Like Mm. anyways, trigger warning for you like that. Try living it. Like if you don't like seeing it on your screen, like I didn't like holding her hand after she got her couple of open heart surgeries. You know what I mean? And so Mm. anyways, comments, we're all here to learn. We're all we all have to like give ourselves some space for, for those um, people who are still learning. And another thing, not to sound like daunting, but I always say like they haven't learned those lessons yet and they, they will because that's what mm. we're here to do. We're all learning and growing and like, ugh, like if they're saying those comments, like that just means they haven't been in my shoes yet and good mm. for them. Like mm-hmm. that's, because I wouldn't wish this on anybody, you know. Let's talk about her time here on Earth. We wanted to yeah. we kind of tangent it off a little yeah. bit, which is great the conversation. <laughs> but so you that. found out about all of this at 20 weeks. You then mm-hmm. carried her to full term. Yep. Yeah. To- so um, my first pregnancy ended in an emergency C-section after like 30 hours on Pitocin. They were like, "Let's mm-hmm. just cut you open. His heart rate is bad." And not like blaming anybody on the way my body healed, but I think that first C-section being um, emergency C-section, I didn't heal very good from it. So then when Everly came along, I wasn't that far out from my first C-section. And so my body was just like, what are you doing to me basically? And Mm -hmm. Um, my doctor basically just said, well, since your first one was a C-section, let's plan for Everly to be a C-section. That way we know when she's coming, you don't just like 
out of a movie like your water breaks at the grocery store type of thing and then she has heart problems and needs surgery it's like mm-hmm. let's just like be at the hospital not have the skeleton crew not that there is one at primary children's they're all awesome but um mm-hmm. just you know let's let's plan things and so um she was about 39 weeks she was born on November 9th of 17 which trips me out um, you know what? I said that wrong. She, she passed away December 9th, but she was born on November 6th. Hmm. My kids have hard birthdays, so don't judge me because all of them have like, <laughs> anyways. Um, okay. So you're doing your best, mom. You're doing your best. <laughs> I'll be at the doctor and they'll be like, when's his birthday? And I'm like, um, this one. I don't know. Is- Okay. It like takes me a minute. It's terrible. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure you're not the only one. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Everly was born on November 6th, 2017, and she was born at 39 weeks and it was a planned C-section and she came out perfect and crying and just pink and so beautiful. And Um, I didn't get to hold her right away. They kind of just like poked her up over the sheet and I got to say hi to her. And then they literally passed her through a open window to another room. It's so funny. It's like, why isn't there just a door there, but it's a window. And they gave her to, um, the baby team essentially. Mm -hmm. And my husband, while they were like sewing me up and stuff, my husband went in and got to be with her. And I had a photographer in there the whole time. I cried to my doctors to let my photographer in there. Um, Mm. I just, I used it. I don't care. But I literally was like, I don't know how long I'm going to have with my daughter. Like these pictures are so important to me. Please, please, please. So um, they, they let my photographer in there, which I'm so grateful for. And then, um, so basically what happens is after they like cut the umbilical cord, um, there's like a, it's called a duct and it's mm-hmm. basically this thing that closes after a few days where your baby then has to like, they, they're not getting that nutrients anymore from the mom. I don't know anatomy, but this is just what I, how I picture it and what I remember. But that duct for babies in general, that takes like a couple days for that duct to all the way close. Um, what they did for her is they used that duct to keep nourishing her for a couple days because they wanted her at her strongest to go in for open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically these open heart surgeries for babies born with CHD, congenital heart defects, is they're band-aids. They're not fixes. They are literally band-aids to get your child into adulthood to have a heart transplant. Like that's where we're at right now in the medical field Mm. is, um, these babies born with CHD, they have to be monitored their entire life because eventually those band-aids, maybe they will work forever. That's great. But like majority of them have to have heart transplants later in life. Um, and so we're just like, okay, band-aid number one. And so, It was, she was three days old when she had her first open heart surgery 
And basically they just created, it's called a BT shunt. Um, and that's where they created a pathway to help balance her lungs and her body, um, the oxygenated blood. And so, um, it was hard. Like after, I mean, nothing is like watching your baby be wheeled off for surgery. Nothing like just, I was already walking four miles a day, like not supposed, I wasn't supposed to be because I was healing from my C-section, but my baby was a street away and they have like a sky bridge to walk to the children's hospital. And I was at the, the university of Utah hospital. So I was healing from my C-section. I'm like, get me over there. I want to see my baby. Literally the first time, honestly, like I'm thinking it happened with all three of my babies. Like no, not urban. Anyways, I'm picturing like my FaceTime talks with my babies, just being like, hang in there. You got this over FaceTime. Like there's a phone. So thank mm. you, technology. We like technology around here, right? Even <laughs> difficulties sometimes. Um, but yeah, I was basically just like getting wheeled over in a wheelchair every day to see her walking as much as I could, trying to heal I would walk in and the nurses would be like, are you mom? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm mom. And they'd be like, you need to sit down. Like you were just, you just gave birth a couple hours ago. Like you were just sliced open. And I'm like, let me at her. Like, where is she? You know? Um, and so anyways, that, that first couple of days, I mean, the whole time she was with us is kind of a blur, honestly, because I was just all the drugs and all the surgeries and mm -hmm. everything. Um, but I just remember like wanting to like get to her, like wanting to be by her and just, she was so, I, I feel like not everybody has been in this situation. I feel like some people like me are like blessed enough to be able to, to be in a situation like this where they can actually say that they were in the presence of an angel or of God. Like she, she was so hard to explain. She was so wise and so knowing. And she just, she made eye contact with you and she would just look deep in your soul. And she, mm -hmm. I swear, like she reiterated to me every single day that I'm not going to take the pain away from her because she suffered a lot of pain in her life, but she reiterated to me that like she chose this and that she was okay and that she was my friend and mm. that she was there for me just as much as I was there for her. And um, I truly believe that she was on this earth, on this earth longer than what was originally planned for her. Um, and I say that because I think that in the original plan, I think that maybe she was here to um, gain her body, meet her mom and her dad and her brother and then I feel like she was meant to go back on the other side and help us from over there. And mm -hmm. um, 
I think that the reason why she was with us, so she ended up uh, living for about five weeks. Um, so kind of going back to her story is she had a couple open heart surgeries and um, she just kept having complication after complication from the healing. And it wasn't necessarily her heart. It was um, maybe her body not getting enough oxygen. So like her her kidneys started struggling and then she would maybe get an infection. And so we'd have to get um, like her blood work done to make sure she wasn't getting like a stomach infection and um, just like things like that. One day we walked in and she had a random blister on her leg and we're like, what is that? And it's like, she must be having an allergic reaction to some of the medication, just like her poor little black and blue swollen body. Like it just like, mm-hmm. it hurt. um, and even when she was like getting better and she was healing and she was, she just looked so perfect. She still had like black and blue all mm-hmm. up and down her arms and legs, just from the life-saving measures that these doctors and nurses went through to like keep her here. And so, um, she started getting better she moved off of the um, SICU, which stands for cardiac ICU. Um, she moved out of the, the SICU and was on the recovery floor. And she gave us three perfect days, perfectly healthy days, happy baby, sucking on her binky, her little squeaks, her little sneezes, her, her just, I mean, she was um, almost five weeks old, but she was still a little six pounder, like her poor body just needed to gain Mm -hmm. weight. And, um, she needed to learn how to eat properly and like things like that, but she was on track to come home. So she gave us three perfect days. And then, um, on December 9th of 2017, so she was almost five weeks old. Um, we, actually said our goodbyes to her and went home to put Urban to bed. And Urban is our oldest. And he was, again, like 18 months at the time. And so we put Urban to bed, gave him kisses. He um, he went down fine. And then we went to lay down in our bed. And that's when we got a phone call from the hospital saying, she is coding. You guys need to get mm-hmm. here as you can. Um, and the person who called us was a social worker. It wasn't a doctor. And so that was like a little bit telling for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just rushed to the hospital. I had a neighbor come sit with urban. Um, she sat in the living room cause we had, you know, a child upstairs asleep and, um, we rushed to the hospital and, yeah, I, I blog about this a little bit, so I won't go into it too much, but I did, I walked into her room right as they called time of death. And I really, really like the time of death, the body language. Like I remember the body language of the doctor just kind of throwing his heads up as he called time of death. I remember everybody in their blue masks and aprons, like surgical attire. Um, I just remember all of their eyeballs just, boom, just like going mm. to as they saw me walk in right as I, as I, as that happened. Um, so I started collapsing and like 
was leaving the room and I was like dying inside because I knew that she had died. My husband didn't know that she had died yet. So I felt like that pressure on me, like that was the worst. It literally was probably 10 seconds, but that was the worst 10 seconds of my life is knowing that and not having my husband know that at the time was just terrible. Um, but yeah, like that, that night was very traumatic. I've gone to a lot of therapy for that. I talk about it so nonchalantly, but it's because I kind of have to, it's one of those things where as soon as we hang up the phone, I'm going to like have a minute and just like, just lose it and, um, miss my daughter and honor those feelings because I, um, me like longing for her and grieving for her and crying out for her and like my arms literally aching because she's not here. Um, I also like love those feelings because that like is a reminder that she was here. Like she was here guys. Like this isn't just like a social media post saying like, Oh, I miss my daughter that was here once. Like, hello. Like, this happened. She was in my hands. She was in my arms, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, for me to feel those feelings and honor them, it's just honoring her and it's honoring all the work that she had to do, um, to, to be here. So there's, there's that I will back up a little bit about why I feel like she was here longer than she was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like I have this like ongoing daydream where I'm like in heaven and I'm with all my friends and family and my best friend like sprints up to me and is like, Marky, Marky, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I just found out just so excited. And I look at my best friend and say, what, what's going on? And she tells me that she doesn't need to be on earth for very long. <laughs> And she's like so excited about it. And we just like jump for joy and we're so happy. And we're just like, what the freak? Like, you're so, you're so perfect. You don't have to do it for, for that long, you know? Um, And then she said, and guess what? Like, I, I asked dad, if you could be the one to give me my body, like, can you be the one to give me my body? Would you want that. And then we both just sob and cry and jump and we're just so excited. And so I really try to like hang on to that feeling that she was, she came here and she was like all knowing she knew what she needed to do. She, she knew her purpose. And again, I'm going to honor her pain because she felt so much of it. And I will never take that away from her because she put in a lot of work while she was here. But I do think that she was here longer than originally planned because number one, the doctors and nurses and staff at primary children's, they were like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, you're not going anywhere. I don't, I don't care what you have planned. Like universe, like we're going to get you more time with your mom. Like we're going to like, come on, like, let's, let's do this. And, and again, going back to modern medicine and just like all the faith we have in it. And, um, there were a couple of times where she really struggled and there was a time when she coded and she, um, she was a couple weeks old at the time and it got really, really close, but they were able to innovate her and save her. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I am like so convinced that we could have lost her that night, but because the staff in modern medicine fought so hard and because she fought so hard. And I think that maybe she got here on earth and she was like, kind of second guessing, like, ah, but like, can I stay a little bit longer? Like, I love my family so much and they love me so much. Like, can I just stay a little bit longer? Um, I do think that Heavenly Father, like, blessed us with more time. And Mm -hmm. so when I hear of people who have suffered immense loss, people will say that about me. They're like, you have suffered a loss that, like, I could not survive. I could not mm-hmm. go through that. I could not watch my daughter be wheeled off to surgery. I couldn't, you know, all all those things. The way I look at it is I have thousands of pictures of my daughter. I have hundreds and hundreds of videos of my daughter. I got to hold my daughter. I got to sing songs to her. I got to hold her hand and kiss her feet. And I got to do all those things. And some mothers don't get that time. Some mothers don't get five weeks with their child. Some mothers only get a couple weeks in their pregnancy. Some mothers lose their baby's heartbeat before their baby is born. And that it's stories like that, that I think I would choose mine. I would choose my situation. I got time with my daughter. And Mm -hmm. so I really, I talk about all the time about how we ourselves put ourselves on a pain scale where it's like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Yours is harder. Mine's easier. Mine's harder. Yours is easier. Why did I have this? Why did I draw this straw? Like this one sucks, you know? Um, But I think at the end of the day, I think that we are given God never gives you more than you can handle, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm waking up every day. I'm still breathing. So I don't have much choice. I'm not suicidal. I'm not going anywhere. So like, I guess I'll just be sad and happy at the same time. Mm. And I think that that's like, that's like my life motto is like, I just live in grief and pain and happiness and joy all the time. I Mm. have the most beautiful life. Um, I have the most perfect daughter in the entire world. And I would do it a thousand times, a thousand. I would do it a thousand Mm. times more times to um, not only have her for, for the 40 weeks in my belly and the five weeks here on earth, but also like all of the, all of the perspective I gained, all of the friendships I've gained, all of the lives that she's touched, all of the connections that have been made through her story and other babies that, um, you know, are sick and other parents who have sick babies and just, I mean, it's, it's like countless, like you can't mm-hmm. even count like all the ways that she has impacted our life. And absolutely. I would do it again. 
a zillion times um, to have all those things. So I much, I always say I'd much rather her be here. That mm-hmm. would be wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I would still choose to have her be here, but because she's not, I, I have to look at all, all the good that, that has come from it. Um, if I only looked at the bad, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I would, I wouldn't have survived the mm-hmm. loss of her. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think that she would want that for me. And, um, I think again, the perspective that I have, I literally have a friend that was like, she told me she thought I was crazy because I like took my boys camping by myself once. Like my husband was out of town and I'm like, yeah, we're just going to go like roast some marshmallows and like go camping. And she was like, what? And she was <laughs> like, are you scared of anything? And I was like, no, I'm really not. Like if somebody invited me to go skydiving tomorrow, like you best believe I would do it. Like I would do it <laughs> because I'm not scared of anything. Like why would I be? I mm-hmm. I have the perspective of seeing my daughter again and believing in the afterlife and raising my boys here on earth. And honestly, like I might sound so privileged right now, but like if I go camping with my boys in, I don't know, maybe there's a Walmart 10 minutes from there. If I forget something like we'll get through it. We'll be Mm -hmm. fine. We'll drive home. We'll, I don't know. And so Mm -hmm. I guess my perspective has just changed so much because I'm just really not scared of anything. And I'm a very, I can, honestly, it's kind of a good and a bad thing, but I can be pretty impulsive too. Cause I'm just like, (laughs) I've lived through the worst. I've already Mm -hmm. been through it. So like, Mm -hmm. what else? I don't know. I guess there's a lot of really terrible things that could happen to me. So I should be careful, but, but that's just kind of the way my brain works is like, You've already mm-hmm. been through really hard things. So like you mm-hmm. might as well just enjoy this crazy life, you know? Well, part of that too is like we talked, we started the conversation talking about negativity and how some people come at you negatively. That's probably one reason why you're so fearless. And you can say, you have not lived through what I've lived through. So I'm right. going to share it because it's helpful right. to other people. And I can offer wisdom to other people, other women and men who are going through something similar. Right. And anything that you can type on a keyboard can literally not hurt me. And in fact, I might chuckle at it because it's so ridiculous. So, and I think that I, um, anyone who's on YouTube just saw me cry. So I, I was really, I'm really touched by, um, your description and just how rawly the rawness in which you're sharing those emotions and that moment. Um, and I think that even though she had five short weeks with you and with your husband and with her family and with everybody here on earth, she's still doing her work five years later by helping you to support people with your story. Um, is there, is there any, just one little, I know you can't put things in snippets when it's been this whole saga that you've gone through, but if you came across a woman who was going through something similar and you had one bit of wisdom to share with her that you was, that someone had whispered in your ear, what do you think you would tell that woman? Oh, I mean, that one's, that one's hard because for me, it's not, it's not advice that mm-hmm. I think people need. 
I think that I would probably just tell them. I mean, honestly, like I get it all the time. Like people will message mm-hmm. me and be like, I just received bad news at my 20 week ultrasound and I'm struggling. And mm-hmm. what I always say mm-hmm. to them is I want, I want to just hug them and say, remember that Everly's story isn't everyone's story. Like mm-hmm. Everly's little roommates that also had heart problems, like some of them are thriving. Some of like, some of them have, you know, they get sick and you have to be really careful mm-hmm. around them because they catch things easy and not to say they don't have issues because they have health issues, but they're doing really, really well. And so I always try to tell people that my story with my daughter is not going to be anything like your story with your baby mm-hmm. and just hang on. Um, the, the rawness of grief heals a little bit and, um, it's, but it scars over. It's, it's always, it's not going to be such an open wound all the time, mm-hmm. even though sometimes you want it to be because that open wound reminds you of the realness of it. But I guess if somebody, you know, came to me and said, what advice do you have for me? My child just got diagnosed with heart problems. I would say, just know that Everly's journey isn't like everyone's. And as long as you wake up every morning and you're still breathing and you put one foot in front of the other, everything will work out. Literally Mm -hmm. every single thing will work out. And, um, and you got this and on days that you don't have this message me Mm -hmm. and I'll be there for you and I'll lift you up when you can't lift yourself up and to just hang on to those, those people that are willing to support you because it's hard. It's a really hard, um, journey to walk on alone for sure. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, um, just everything that you've shared. I mean, you've been through so much and we had a guest come on one time and she said, you don't know what you're capable of handling it until you have to. And I think it's, it's one of those things that makes me second, not second guess, but just always thinks when I say like, Oh, I, I admire you and you're, you're so strong. And and I think all that is true, but it's also, that's what you had to go through. You didn't have a choice. And so you have to do what you have to do to get forward. And the Kristen story is the same, you know, my story is the same where we have things that we were put in front of and people have come to us and say, you're so strong. How did you get through it? And it's like, you have to, you just have to, you have to take it one day at a time. I'm still breathing. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like I'm still breathing. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a choice about something, like what are you going to (laughs) do? Hide under the covers all day. You know, that's another thing is like people, they say it with the best intentions, but when they say, I couldn't go through what you went through, I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't go through what you went through. Well, I freaking can't, I freaking can't go through what I've, what I, what, what, like, I bleed just like you. Like I, I, so your heart hurts too. And your heart breaks for your daughter and you miss her and everything you're going through. It's not like you come out the other side and you're like, Oh, this is wonderful. No problem. You know, (laughs) that was easy. I always like, and so I would never want to like, cause again, I know that people say that with the best intentions. And so 
sometimes it's just like, and, and lover, but somebody really close to me would always say that to me. And I finally called her out and I was like, you know, that that like rubs me the wrong way. Right. Like Mm. I, I love you. And I know that I understand what you're saying, but like, I'm not strong enough, but Mm -hmm. here I am. I'm not strong enough, but here I am. And so Mm -hmm. I do, I think that it's one of those things where it's like, just try not to be empathetic when all you can offer is sympathy, Hmm. if that Hmm. makes sense. Like if you haven't walked in my shoes, then don't try to walk in my shoes. Just say, Mm -hmm. I love you and I'm here for you. I'm so sorry this is happening. I love you. And like, just show up, just be there. Like after Everly died, like the, um, literally the morning after she died, I remember I, I like slept in and I came downstairs and a church leader from my church was in my living room with his wife. And I don't even know how they found out or like who, who called who or what. I have no idea. All I know is that he showed up and he was there and he's like a father figure to me. I named my third born his middle name after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I just remember he showed up and I remember those friends that just showed up and it wasn't what they said. It wasn't. It, and you know, it's those people that say, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? That's great too. That's mm-hmm. so nice. But I don't know what you can do for me. So like I'm not gonna give you an answer because I don't know what answer to give you. Right. They've never you've so never like, been through this before. So what right. do you need? So like you don't even have to say that. Like that's nice of you, but but thank you. You don't even have to say that. Just say, just say, I love you and I'm here for you. I love you and I'm here for you. And I'm gonna squeeze your arm and I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And then and then hug me. And then that's it. That's Mm -hmm. all you have to say. And then the next day, send me a text and say, I love you and I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. The next day, I love you. I'm going to bring you a coffee. (laughs) Are you home? I'm bringing you a swig drink, a soda. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to offer. I can't imagine going through. Like, I don't know. I guess Mm -hmm. that's fine. But you don't have to offer all those things that we are so used to saying and hearing. Mm -hmm. Just, we don't need to just say I'm yeah. here for you and I love you. My and secret hack is actions, you know. Exactly. My my little secret hack that I do with like I did this to one friend who was a new mom um, almost two years ago. I said, hey, because she lived like right down the street from the grocery store, but obviously she's not going to the grocery store when her child's two weeks old. I said, hey, I'm going to Giant. What do you need? Love it. And she's like, oh, milk and this, and I really have a craving for this. I'm like, great, got it. I'll drop it off. Love it. You know, and just don't even like, cause obviously people go through hard things and when they're going through yeah. hard things, they don't always want to talk about it. Right. And even if, if it's a normal, a normal hard thing, like, you know, having yeah. a, a perfectly healthy newborn like she did, but I just knew that she wasn't washing her hair and she wasn't right. going to the grocery store. <laughs> and so. full disclosure, a healthy newborn is freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's all hard. Again, it's, mm-hmm. it's all relative. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to that pain scale that we put ourselves on. What's harder? Yeah. What's not harder? Newborns are hard. Puppies are yeah. hard. Like yeah. dogs are freaking hard. And like toddlers, oh my gosh. And just my <laughs> three-year-old crazy. sleep regression right now, he will not let us sleep. And that's hard. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just, 
we're all on this journey. Let's just like support each other and um, say things like, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And that's it, you know? And I just think the world would be a much better place than um, we're all just like saying things like, I couldn't survive what you've been through. Okay, me neither. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not like you, you know, you had this wall of all these options and you chose that one and other people can do other things. It's like you are, those are the cards that were dealt. And that's what happened and you have to walk through that. And, you know, I think, I think for me thinking about it, like the more admiration type, very highly respected that I feel like towards you is that you've taken your daughter's story and now five years later, she's still impacting people and you're still telling Mm -hmm. her story and you're still picking yourself up. You know, like you said, you're living in that present moment, both happy and sad. You can live in the moment and grieve and have joy and have both of that and live in this paradox world where it doesn't feel right sometimes. Laughing super hard, then you feel guilty, but then you cry really hard and you are like, why am I not? You know, and it's this goes back and forth and it's just a journey that you have to walk. And I think, you know, I've only found your Instagram page in the last six months or so is really when we found it. And this was five years ago for you. So five years ago when you were going through this, we had no idea. But the fact that your daughter's story is now making us both cry on YouTube is still sharing the what you went through and seeing the strength that has come from what you did go through. You said that earlier, all the things that you have taken away from it that have been so amazing and great things in a very tragic and traumatic Mm. situation that you've had to go through. So, um, you know, pain is relative and everybody has different things that they go through and that's just the world we live in with, with just the darkness of our world and the hard things that we do go through. It's so interesting you say that because I will like literally tell people that it's Everly's page. It's her, like, it's an Instagram page that's grown over time. Mm -hmm. And people will even say, they'll be like, how do you grow your Instagram so big? And I'm like, "Um, you have a perfect daughter. Like, that's that's it. That and hashtags, high fives. Like, you get it. You're, You're there. But I literally say, like, I call it her page. It's not mine. I have a personal page that I barely touch. Honestly, it's like, that's too much work. But I'm literally like, it's her story. Mm -hmm. I'm just managing it because she can't. Mm -hmm. And um, through that, just like you said, she's, she's touching people's lives five years later. And I'm just, I'm honored. Like if that's like my, my life calling, like absolutely. Because we need to raise awareness for CHD. One in 100 babies have it. If you don't know a baby that has it, your cousin knows a baby that has it. If it, your neighbor's baby has it. Like if you, it's so, it's so huge. And it's just doesn't get a whole, it doesn't get the awareness that I think that it needs sometimes. And Mm -hmm. it's conversations like this that kind of like fuel my fire where I'm like, oh, like I need to, I need to like call the American Heart Association and like, we need to do something about this. Like it fuels my fire a little bit Mm -hmm. because that's what I say. I'm like, I literally just use her page to journal my grief and to raise awareness for CHD because I'll go on her page and write 
do you know what CHD is? And normally Mm. it's like 70 to 30%, like 70% of people are like, what's CHD? And it's like, oh, it's Mm. congenital heart, congenital heart defects. That's what Everly passed away from. That's literally, it's like people do research, like, how did your baby die? They start following this page. And then it's like that, it's like that, um, that like dark curiosity of ours where it's like, well, how, how did she die? Like, how can I avoid that? You know, that's kind of how our brains work. And so I'm just like, dang, like I need to fuel my fire and be like, and just use her page to just raise awareness. Cause that's, that's, if that's my calling, like heck yeah, I'll keep that going forever, you know? Sure. I, I think it's amazing. I think what you do is really great. You are a voice for your daughter and you are, you carried her for 40 weeks. You had her for five and you are continuing to provide for her that nourishment and that mm-hmm. the life you're continuing to do that with, with this page and everything that you're sharing and the awareness and just the realness of life. And I think it's something even, you know, I would say a lot of females can relate to, but I think even men, because we didn't even get into the process of grief that your husband's had to go through knowing that his daughter died. And so for him, it was very different. He didn't carry her for 40 weeks. So I'm sure it's just a whole other process. And, you know, for the sake of time, we won't go into it, but it's, it's something that your grief and your journey and, and sharing videos of her, people are seeing that every day and you are still mothering her in that way by sharing that. So, um, just thank you for your openness and thank you. It is a a tragic and really traumatic event, but, um, like you said, it's, it's relative to other people's journeys with babies with CHD or losing a parent or losing a child at six or eight or 12 or 25, you know, it's, it's still a loss that hurts and not to be, brushed to the side, but really acknowledged and, and seen. And, um, yeah, so we just, um, just give you a lot of respect for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't imagine that there's a lot of music <laughs> that has a positive, um, connection to that time in your life, but, Again, as music therapists, we're always curious <laughs> to hear what people are connected to musically when they're going through hard things or what got them through something hard, or maybe if it's a song that always makes you think of Everly. Um, we're really curious. What song would you say describes that time in your life? So when I think of a song or may, I mean, two, depending on the season of my life, I think of, um, okay, so I love like 90s R&B. Like, <laughs> I, I know it's like so random, but Boys to Men is my it. favorite band. I've seen them more times than I can count live. <laughs> I love them so much. Um, I love them. Anyways, I the first song I fell in love with of their song was because of the Mariah Carey song, one sweet day where they were featured on it. And I actually, I like got my first tattoo last year of that on my wrist Mm -hmm. It says one Mm -hmm. sweet day. And I just relate that so much to my daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you go and like, listen to those lyrics, it's like, I've literally 
like I was born in 1990. Like I shouldn't like be obsessed with this song, but <laughs> because that's the year that the song like came out was 1992 or something. And um, so that song, like it's one of those things where it's like it, it changes when you experience different life Mm. um, life stages. And it definitely Mm. hits home after you've lost somebody that you love. So one sweet day by Mariah Carey and boys to men is a banger. That is one of my favorites. (laughs) And then another one that comes to mind and it's kind of, it's about, it's not about like losing a loved one at all. It's one of those that like, you really have to like tap in to see how I relate to it. But I mean, maybe not, but it's um, Casey Musgraves, Happy and Sad. And she talks about, like, she literally says, is there a word for the way I'm feeling right now? Because I'm happy and sad at the same time. And that quite literally is my life. Like, Mm. I am, this isn't fake. Like, this life I live isn't fake. Like, I am so blessed. I have a beautiful family beautiful husband. He like, looks like he stepped out of an Abercrombie freaking. (laughs) I don't know. He's, I just don't understand. And he's like going gray on the sides and it is like the finest thing ever. So like I have the best husband, so caring, so giving, so sweet, does everything for me that he can in the world, worships the ground I walk on. My boys are hilarious. Urban is six. Van is three. They're the, they're the funniest kids in the world. Like they're wild and crazy boys. And I love every second. I love Mm. every second with them. With that said, all of those happy, amazing feelings that I feel, I am equally as devastated. Mm. And I mourn not having my daughter. And, Mm. um, she is, she is missing from our home and she is, we miss her. And when we pray, we pray that we'll fill her close. And mm-hmm. when I look for signs from her, I look hard cause I miss her. And, um, she, she's part of everything we do. We try to include her in everything we do. Um, and I even posted on Instagram the other day, how in real time, how I literally sat in my car and felt like I was forgetting something, even though I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I just like have to live with that feeling of like looking for my little duckling because I'm counting Mm -hmm. my little ducklings and, and one of them's always missing. And then I have to just acknowledge that feeling and then move forward. Not on. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. We don't Mm -hmm. move on from Mm -hmm. these things. We move forward. And mm-hmm. so that's what I try to do. And so that Casey Musgrave song is like a beautiful song because it just it just talks about feeling the happiness and the sadness at the same time. And there's not really a word for it, but here I am. I I I'm living proof that you can do both and um, still live an absolutely beautiful life while like freaking dying inside. <laughs> Mm. That's like terrible to put to put that in words, but it's true. It's I'm feeling both at the same time. That's just the way it is, you know. 
Mm-hmm. I appreciate your just your honesty. You are you. You are yeah. who you are online. You are who you are on this call. You are, you know, it's it's I try to be. I'm no not filter, a good actor. No I'm editing. not good. You'd be able to tell if I was lying about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. We're really thankful that you agreed to chat with us today and just share your story. And um it's a beautiful story and it's it just is you know, it's reality. And I think that a lot of people can learn a lot from it. I think a lot of people can be encouraged by it. Um, and so we just really appreciate your time and, um, yeah. Thank you. What can you say after a story like that? For having me. I appreciate it. Anytime, any chance I can get to talk about my daughter, I am like, I jump on it because I just, Mm -hmm. I love her so much and I love to, to share her story. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and this platform to talk about her. And I just appreciate it so much. So thank you.